Why, hello. I'm Natalie Zett, and welcome to Flower in the River. Flower in the River is a podcast about a book I wrote of the same name. And that book is about the Eastland disaster that took place in 1915 in Chicago and how that long-ago tragedy affected my family for generations. I'll talk about writing and family history and what to do when the supernatural comes into your life when you're innocently doing a family history research project. Come on and let's have some fun with this. Hello, hello, this is Natalie, and welcome to episode 22 of Flower in the River podcast. This week, I wanted to explore some things that have come across my desk that are recent news, and also some things that are not exactly recent, but they have such an interesting history that I want to bring them up. And these things are actually wondrous and wonderful. And there's a few weird things in there as well. And it intrigues me as to how something can take on a different type of life of its own. So I don't know, maybe there's something in the air, a real Eastland fever of some sort. So let me get started with what happened early this week. Thanks to my trusty Google alerts. And by the way, Google alerts are a genealogist's secret weapon. What you do is you put in an item such as Eastland disaster, and then you have Google flag you whenever there's some type of information or publicity or news article or whatever about the event that you're interested in. And let me tell you, these alerts lately have been buzzing like crazy. So as you probably remember, just a few weeks ago, the beloved Eastland Disaster Historical Society blew a lot of us, me personally, away with their incredible event at the Chicago River. And that was, of course, the 108th commemoration anniversary event that they hosted and that was a big deal, and I talked about that previously. And you probably know if you've read my book or listened to this podcast, the Eastland continues to be largely ignored or lost when it comes to history and publicity, and that can be a mixed blessing. And this week, I got a Google alert about an article in the Irish Times, and it was called why have you never heard of the SS Eastland? That grabbed my attention, of course. I thought, what is a paper in Dublin doing with the Eastland here? So get ready for this. The Collective Theater is putting on what sounds like a mind-blowing show called Eastland. I mean, what else would you call it? Where they will bring the ship's tragic capsizing to life through storytelling, and live performances. I wish I could see this. It sounds like an interactive adventure where the audience actually helps build and sync the ship right on stage. I hope they make a video of this because I would love to see it. What fascinates me in situations like this is how particular locations seem to pick up on the spirit of something. I can tell you that my website which is Flower in the River. I get so many hits from the United Kingdom, 
from Ireland. I also get a lot of hits from Ukraine and Slovakia, too, because that's where I have a lot of family. So that is understandable. And, of course, Germany and Poland, where I also have a lot of family and friends. So I get, I do get a fair amount of interest from across the pond. And it doesn't surprise me in one way because this, after all, is the story of an immigrant family and what happened post-immigration when they were looking for the American dream and then they found a capsized ship and a few other things that didn't go their way. So I think, again, we who are children of these immigrant families, we don't necessarily think about what happened to the branches of our family and the descendants of those who never immigrated, but they're just as intrigued with us sometimes as we are with them. And that's been a big surprise to me. So I think that perhaps is some of what's going on. But yeah, a lot of hits from Ireland. So for whatever reason, the Eastland story is hitting enough people in Ireland where this theater company is putting on a show. And it's a Dublin-based show, so I won't be able to make it. I'm in Minnesota. And it has a limited engagement. And it starts this month, August 30th, 2023, to I think early September. So For those of you, for the listeners in the UK and in Ireland, maybe you'll get a chance to check it out. So I want to send all my good vibes and best wishes to the talented folks at the Collective Theater for engaging in this groundbreaking show. It sounds really wonderful. And as an aside, theater companies like this are true gems. And this unique perspective might change lives, including the people who are performing and putting this thing together. I should probably say that the Eastland disaster should come with a warning label. Years ago, one of the people told me after I was on on the hunt for getting information about the Eastland, his, I think, grandfather was one of the rescuers. And he said, so you've been Eastlandized. That's a word now. So I think a lot of people in Ireland might get Eastlandized too. You never know. So that's really awesome. And speaking of theater, this does remind me and brings back good memories of the time when several of my friends and I co-founded a theater company. And though we lasted for mm, a little over 10 years, we loved experimenting. We loved boundary-pushing performances, just like the collective theater seems to be doing with their work. And we did bring up some very difficult and controversial topics in our day as well, such as the Third Reich, such as the AIDS crisis, things that people didn't necessarily want to talk about. But that's the purpose of good theater, to be provocative and to make people think and to make people consider what it is to be a human being, right? And we loved it. And we, I send, again, good vibes to these people. And I'm going to put them on my radar. I'm going to get them on my Google alerts now and make sure that I see what they're coming up with next. And along those lines, I want to switch from the captivating world of Irish theater to another realm of art and remembrance. Now, this one really has almost as jangled a history in its short life as the Eastland disaster itself. So 
again, I promote the Eastland Disaster Historical Society because not just because they're my friends, but also because they are the source of truth about the Eastland. And if someone's doing research or wants to find out more about what happened, about the details, about all the details about the Eastland disaster, that's where you go, the Eastland Disaster Historical Society. And if you do a Google search, the Eastland Disaster Historical Society will be the first thing that shows up. Get this. Now, this is quite the story, and I'm going to try to untangle it because even I have a hard time wrapping my mind around what happened. So in September 2022, that's almost a year ago. Okay, the Eastland Disaster Historical Society unveiled a very gripping, compelling, I can't think of, I I need all the adjectives in the world to describe this, 45-minute YouTube documentary called The Forgotten Disaster of the SS Eastland. Narrated and put together by the amazing and incomparable Caitlin Doty of Ask a Mortician Channel. Now, this is a somber piece that takes the viewer on a journey through the haunting echoes of history, but it was made with so much love and respect. And if you've never had a chance to see Caitlin and her channel, you've got to do it because she is so funny and so engaging. And Speaking as someone and as a member of a family who we've all had a lot of tragedies in our family, not just the Eastland, but we've had a lot of personal tragedies. And one of our coping mechanisms has always been our gallows humor because, yes, you can go to some dark places when you look at this stuff, but there's a way when you can detach from it a bit and see some of the bizarreness of it, you can make it more compelling and draw people in. And it also, I think, frankly, helps your spirit and your state of mind when you can do that as well. And Caitlin is a mortician and she's funny as all can get out. And yet this thing was so solid. She was able to break down that history with such grace. And she did so much. Having been someone who's written a book and put together videos myself, I've been a video producer, scriptwriter, etc., It's a heck of a lot of behind-the-scenes work of interviews, editing, etc., etc. From what I can see, Caitlin and her team put everything they had into producing this documentary. If I ever do an Eastland 101 class, that is the first thing that I will show people. There's definitely other very well-done videos, very precise, beautiful videos that have been done through the years, but this one just grabs you. And because of the visuals and because of Caitlin's own personality that infuses this journey that she takes you through, it stays with you. It really does. And I have to say that the Eastland Disaster Historical Society made a brilliant move by partnering with Caitlin, by getting her on board for this project, and she delivered beyond any expectations. I'm going to tell you about a little controversy that happened with this video, and it's so unbelievable that it's unbelievable. But here's what happened, and I'll talk about it from my own vantage point. So when I got notification that this video was released, I wanted to watch it. But in September 2022, I was still in the midst of dealing with 
well, my mother had just died a few months before. I was dealing with the hard work of learning how to narrate my own audio book. And let me tell you, that one deserves its own book. It is extremely difficult to learn how to do this, to find the right partners to work with, to help setting things up. It was one of those baptisms by fire. And yes, it will be out shortly. Don't know when, but it's, but it's been submitted and it's been approved by Find Away Voices. Yay! And again, the release date is yet to be determined, but I'll let you all know. So that was going on and I actually started a new job. So there were a lot of new things to learn at the same time everything else is going on. All that is to say is that this video of Caitlin's, I started watching it. And then I realized because I was in the midst of narrating my own book and in a sense, reliving all the stuff that happened, also still grieving. There was a lot emotionally that was going on with me. And I thought this is so well done. But right now, I have to take care of my mind and spirit, and I had to back away from it. Since I'm in a marathon here, I had to stop and rest a little bit and get myself back together. And then I tried to watch it again not too long after all that, and it seemed to have disappeared. And it's like, where the hell is this thing? And it, it seemed to be gone, and then it came back, and then Caitlin herself provided a video to explain as to what happened, how YouTube basically put some sanctions on it. I'm going to link to Caitlin's video so you can see what happened. And I'm summarizing what she said. Isn't it ironic that this very topic, the Eastland disaster, that is always getting lost to history, almost again got lost on planet YouTube because of perceived violations or whatever. I mean, it's history, folks. And this is what happened. The ship capsized. And yeah, there were bodies to be seen. And um, they showed these images. And goodness knows we've seen worse on YouTube. So I do not know what happened there. And I don't think Caitlin does either. But anyway, it happened. And the Eastland video is back. And I'm going to promote it because it is that good. And please, I don't normally beg for favors. Well, that's not really true because I say at the end of each podcast, please buy my book because I owe people money, but that's a joke. But please watch Caitlin's video on YouTube because she is so good. And look at her other videos about various historical events. I mean, the woman is a genius. She really is. And thank you on behalf of my family and all the families that were affected by the Eastland disaster for all the love and professionalism you put into that documentary. People have asked me if other members of my family are as smitten or obsessed with the Eastland as I am. And I would have to say, probably not. But again, just because they don't express their feelings the way I express my feelings, I'm pretty expressive. It doesn't mean that it's not registering. It's just that it's not registering the way that I can necessarily read 
Normally, I'm pretty intuitive, but face it, when it's your family, sometimes you're so close that you literally can't see what's happening. So I sent the video link to my sister last night, and I said I wasn't sure if she'd watch it or not, because again, I think for all of us, it's a very emotional thing, and you do have to be in a state of mind to want to take this in. It's our family. It's our great aunt who was killed, and she was only a teenager. And it's like, whoa. But my sister watched it, and she said, this was very interesting and informative, heartbreaking too. And then she asked if our grandmother was the one who identified our great aunt. And I said, yes. And in fact, if you watch Caitlin's video, you can see the rubber stamp that was created for the victims of the Eastland. And our Aunt Martha has one of those rubber stamps on her death record. I have it displayed on my website I wanted to tell you about some other strange things that came up from these Google alerts that I set up. So apparently there is some kind of Eastland fever going on because I got a bunch of alerts that there were different people lecturing about the Eastland in various locations. This is in the United States. From the articles, it seemed to be one-off types of lectures at libraries and places like that. And again, I thought, cool, this is exciting. And here's what happened. So on the one hand, I am perpetually appalled that a disaster that killed 844 in downtown Chicago is not more widely known. But on the other hand, there's a great sense of relief that it hasn't been turned into a mere prop for profit. Unlike our friend the Titanic, the Eastland holds a fragile, delicate history that's preserved and cherished by the descendants of those affected and by people who come to it with love and respect. But back to Caitlin, because I can't get enough of her or that video there's something that she said that almost it's too easy to just kind of skip by it. But if you do watch the video, pay attention to this because she made a very, I think, profound connection. She was talking about why the Eastland has been ignored all these years. And she was citing the work of a sociologist called Patricia Levy and she shared this quote from one of Levy's books. Ultimately, I define an iconic event as an event that undergoes intense initial interpretive practices, but also becomes mythic within the culture through its appropriation into other political or social discourses and its eventual use within commercial culture. The Titanic was an iconic event. It was an event that took place out on the ocean with a lot of icons, I suppose, aboard, whereas the Eastland, not really. What Caitlin said is that part of the reason that the Eastland never became mythic is that there was no one mythic 
or iconic aboard. It was just simple, quote unquote, working class people out for a day for a picnic. There's no single explanation why the Eastland's history keeps getting buried, but she's on to something, and I think it's important to talk about this as well. The question I've been asking myself for a long time is, how do you handle, how do I handle something that, in one sense, is very impactful? It's really touched so many lives. I mean, 844 people dead in a day, dead within moments, and it somehow gets forgotten. What is that? And the realization over low these past 108 years is that the Eastland and so many other historical events are fragile. They don't get the press. They don't get the notoriety. And yet they are important. So what happens when an already fragile at-risk event is not handled well? Hmm? I've already shared the good work that's gone on, but I want to talk about something else that is happening that I've run into. And again, something that is, it's strong. The Eastland and our connection to it is strong. But because its connection to history is so fragile, whenever I see a situation where people aren't dealing with it as thoughtfully or as thoroughly as they ought to, I do need to call that out because it is one of those hard truths. At any rate, so getting back to this week, my friend, the Google Alerts, told me that there are a number of people across the country, across the United States, I should say, who are doing lectures about the Eastland. And at first I thought, wow, is that cool? And then I looked at the articles out of the gate. Each one of these articles got the number of casualties wrong. Now, there were 844 lives lost. How do I know that? Because of going to the source of truth, the Eastland Disaster Historical Society. In fact, I checked with them several times because initially, in the late 90s, when I was doing my first level of research about the Eastland, there was not much available. Again, the numbers of casualties were all over the place. They would say numbers like 850, 900, and 835. So I want to return to the articles that I located about these lectures that are taking place currently. What's going on there? Was it a matter of a typo? Well, it could have been because particularly when it comes to numbers, that's so easy to get it wrong. However, there were so many of them. There were a spate of them across the United States and they each had the numbers wrong. And I can't believe that they're connected somehow. It could also be that the people who were promoting the lecture in the publication got it wrong. And then finally, I have to wonder if they employed perhaps chat GBT, which I love. 
So if you're going to use artificial intelligence or machine learning, no judgment on my part, but for goodness sake, remember at this point, it can't do everything for you. So the question is, if these lecturers got the number of casualties wrong, something that is so easily verifiable, what else did they get wrong? Hmm? And what causes greater distress is, what if someone attends this lecture and they have no background on the Eastland disaster and they think that everything that they're hearing is true, that it's been well-researched and so on? So now they are subjected to this misinformation And can I stop it? Absolutely not. But at least I can bring it up in this venue that this is going on. And though I realize history is being, quote unquote, modified to fit the whims of certain people, it doesn't mean things didn't happen the way it happened. And besides due diligence, my conscience would bother me if I didn't say something about this. And I hope that it elevates the types of discussion that we have, not just about the Eastland disaster. If it's happening here, it happens with other aspects of history as well. I think it just serves as one of those good lessons about just being aware of not everything you hear is well-researched and make sure to check out what you hear, I guess. That's the best advice I can give. And that said, This is all I'm going to talk about this week. I mean, this has been a lot, right? But one thing I really enjoy doing, I mean, it gives me great joy, and that is to promote other people who are doing good work, despite the fact I just had to talk about the people that need to learn how to do better work. But I want to thank those who are doing tremendous work around the Eastland disaster of 1915. One of the things that I I took from watching Ted Lasso way too many times is for sure give credit where credit is due. And if somebody's wonderful like Caitlin Doty, if somebody's wonderful like the Collective Theater in Dublin and other people and organizations who are doing great things, I will promote the heck out of you. So next week, we'll get back into the book and back into the current strange work life of one Zara Vrabel, a.k.a. my author ego. Take it easy, and I'll talk to you very soon. Hey, that's it for this episode, and thanks for coming along for the ride. Please subscribe or follow so you can keep up with all the episodes. For more information, please go to my website. That's www.floweritheriver.com and I'll have that and more information in the show notes. I hope you consider buying my book because I owe people money and I'm just kidding about that. But the one thing I'm not kidding about is that this podcast and my book are dedicated to the memory of the 844 who died on the Eastland. Goodbye for now.